your name to seek you, that you are right here. You make your home with us and that you care about us and that you are helping us, always helping us to get to know you better. Lord, I ask that you would help us to understand what we read, but also help it to uh, increase our appetite for you and for your word, that during the week it would bring lasting change to our life. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, If you uh, need a Bible, Ben has uh, some extras right there. Just wave your hand. He'll be happy to put a Bible in your hand. Uh, Try to make life a little bit easier for you. Uh, For those of you uh, have friends in Baltimore that don't don't know Jesus or new to Jesus, we try to do different things like this for the church to make it easier when you bring your friends in. Do you like that? Isn't that good? Okay, let's start in Luke 1 today, okay? you hit the middle of your Bible, take a right-hand turn. We go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1. I'm not sure how it is for all of you, but for me, uh, the Christmas season is a busy season. I don't know if you have this experience, but whether you're school or work, it seems like everybody wants to throw a party and wants to do this and that and the other. And today after church, we're all going to share lunch. And then the mayor's Christmas parade is like three blocks away. And let me just tell you, that is some craziness. It is fun. Definitely fun. I definitely recommend you can you probably won't be able to park. You could even just walk from the parking lot here right on down. Enjoy the parade today. But I know all of you have activities and very busy schedules, and so I'm very grateful that you are here so that we can center on the Scripture today. Today and next Sunday, I want to share with you a two-parter that I'm calling Jesus is a Gift. That's right. Jesus is a Gift. Now, um, in years past, I have walked through all of Luke 1 and Luke 2 and or other references in the Christmas story. Today, I just want to start by lifting a couple of phrases from Luke 1 to get us started, okay? So let's start off with the purpose of this, okay? Luke is a doctor. Luke has spent a lot of time and energy to write this down, and he says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the ev- events that have been fulfilled among us. Luke 1.1. 1, 1. Verse 2, they used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So Dr. Luke has made a methodical account of what happened with Jesus from the genealogy of Jesus through his birth, his life, his death, his being executed and his resurrection and what the results were as he wrote the book of Acts as well. Luke is our early Christian historian. Luke was certainly inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. Hello, welcome to City Bible Church. We believe Sola Scripta, the classic. Let me just stop. If you haven't picked up on this already, just because we meet in a movie theater and dress casually on a Sunday, we are actually an ancient church. As a group of people, with taking communion, with singing to the Lord, with praying, with an opportunity for every believer to pray, with reading from Scripture and the authority of Scripture, we are actually, every Sunday when we gather, 
and in our homes following ancient practices that Jesus' followers have done for 2,000 years. Are you glad you're not a part of a church that just does whatever the heck they want to do and is all cotton candy and popcorn, right? I mean, y'all aren't here for me. We're here for Jesus, right? And so these ancient practices, though they might seem a little awkward at first and make you a little bit more cautious to want to bring a friend in and feel like you need to sit them down and give them a glossary for being a part of our church, it's because we're doing stuff that we see here. Okay? So what's really important about this verse in the Christmas story is why it was written down. It was written down so we can be certain of the truth of everything we're taught. Isn't that good? That's so good. Now, I I don't have much time left. I just want to lift lift a few verses here. Mm. Mary responds when the angel visits her, Luke 1, 37, For nothing is impossible for God. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Elizabeth said to her, You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Really important phrase. Try to hold on to that uh, through these couple of weeks in this series. Now, Zechariah, the father of Jesus' cousin John, who celebrated at John's calling from birth. John filled with the Holy Spirit while in his mother's womb. John's calling to declare the way, prepare people for Jesus' coming. Zechariah said in Luke chapter 1, verses 77 through 79. Are you there? 77 through 79. Luke chapter 1, verses 77 through 79. This is Zechariah speaking predictively ahead of time to his son and his son's role, John the Baptist and Jesus. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. We're here, our stated purpose as a church that we derive from Scripture is to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. That's why we're here. Zechariah speaks of salvation through forgiveness, the path of peace. I want to bring our attention to why were they so excited? Why... These ancient prophecies, all of them more than 400 years back that Jesus fulfilled. Why are they so excited about the birth of Jesus? What's the big deal? The reason for the season. See, we can check a box in our brain of saying, okay, I understand Jesus, nod our head, walk away and not let it connect with our heart. Right? But in our head and our heart, we should respond to Jesus. Jesus is a gift. I love Christmas, certainly a lot more now that we have kids. So much fun. And call me pagan, but we have a Christmas tree. We give the kids gifts, but they know why. Because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, the Christmas wreath, the early Christian symbol 
of the fact that in Jesus we have hope without end. The circle has no end. It's hope without end. What would it be like if the gifts that we wrapped and put under the tree for Charlotte and Gideon on Christmas morning, they came running down and, okay, now it's time. And they picked up the gift. They held the gift, this box that's wrapped. And thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you for this gift. But didn't open it. I would be confused. A little frustrated, a little upset. Jesus is a gift. He's a gift to us. And... It's possible that we have one experience in our life where we begin to open the gift, understand the gift, and yet do not continue through the course of our life to open the gift, understand the gift, use the gift the way that the gift is designed to be used. And one of the things when you have little ones, you find that they may play with the wrapping paper as much as they play with the toy. And that they might all be forgiven within a week to 10 days. You know, you put all this effort in, that's that's kind of what happens. Well, the writer of Hebrews says, how then shall we overcome, meaning how should we live a victorious Christian life if we ignore so great a salvation? And what I have found in my own life and in the life of other Jesus followers is that it is easy to check the box once and then set it aside and continue to live my life without every day opening the gift, every day learning more about Jesus, my salvation, what it means, and then applying it to my life. Are you with me? Can we turn to Romans chapter 5? Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. A month ago, I asked you to read the first five chapters of, or eight, excuse me, chapters of Romans, and I'd like to just, uh, well, let me first start off in four. I'll just lift a couple of verses out of four, and then we'll read the first few verses of eight. Everybody there? Okay. Chapter four, verse 16. Paul writing to believers, just like you and I, multiple ethnicities, education, economic levels, living in Rome, a city like Baltimore, diverse and not without its struggles. Paul writes, So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. Now, what is this faith like Abraham he refers to? I'm so glad you asked. Chapter 4, verse 21 Abraham, speaking of Abraham, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Fully convinced. Remember Mary's response? And then Elizabeth's affirmation of Mary's response were, you believe that God would do what he said he would do. So that's what Paul's writing about. Free gift we receive if we believe like Abraham that God would do what he said he could do. Verse 23 of I'm sorry, that's a 25. Uh, Verse 4, speaking of Jesus, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. I want to zero in on this phrase, make us right with God, while we start chapter 5. Which, remember, Paul wasn't writing in chapters or numbers. He was just, it was a continuous letter, okay? Therefore, 
That you, anytime there's a therefore there, you need to figure out what it's there for. Okay, a few of you are still breathing. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Peace, faith, confidence. Are you hearing some words repeated? Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems. Wait, what? What did he just say? We can't, he's crazy. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. Dirty word. And endurance develops strength of character, another dirty word, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Sometimes we got to go through rough stuff to dig deep into what our salvation means to arrive at a personal, confident hope of our salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to go into Christmas and New Year's in the path of peace with a confident hope. Jesus' followers, less than 50 years after he resurrected, Jesus' followers were called people of the way. A lot of people that lived in that day didn't know how to label them. They didn't. They, they, they later in Macedonia is where they put this, came up with this word Christian, which means little Jesus or mini me, mini Jesus. It'd be like on the street today if people said, "Okay, mini Jesus." That's where the word Christian comes from. But more um, in a more neutral slang word for Christians was people of the way, because Jesus brought a path of peace that was different than anything that they'd ever known before, that was different than anything they had experienced before. And I don't know about you, but for me, going into Christmas and New Year's, I want to be in the path of peace and aware of this joy. Why were they so joyful about Jesus' arrival? I don't want to survive hanging by a thread, hating every aspect of the holiday season. Now, I know sometimes we have good reason to feel that way, but I want to be aware of this joy. I want to be in this confident hope, this path of peace, and I want to go into the new year spiritually stronger with this endurance that Paul writes about in Romans 5 that develops this confident hope in my salvation. That's what I want. Do you want that too? Good, I'm in the right place. So Romans 5, we see this. I was made right in God's sight. Made right. Let, let's Very briefly, let's just dig into what this good news is and what it is not. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if we are not regularly challenged in what we think and feel, we will drift from the truth of the good news. Did you catch what I said? If we don't bring scripture, other believers, if we don't 
regularly challenge ourselves and what we're thinking and believing. We will drift from the truth and start to rely on things. And then we will start to feel shaky. We'll start to feel anxiety and stress. And those things do not come from an accurate, well-grounded belief in Jesus the way he intended. Okay, so let's talk about the good news or the gospel, what it is and what it is not. The good news is that you are rescued. You didn't rescue yourself. God rescued you. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? The good news is you've been rescued. The good news is that you have been saved. It is not just good advice. So what we see most often in January is that people that feel like their life isn't what it should be will come into a church because they feel like they need some good advice. The good news of Jesus is not good advice. It's good, but it's not just good advice. It's not limited to that, and it's not rehab. Some of us come to church because we need rehab. Am I too honest? Come on, right? The good news is not a rehab program. It is about your salvation that has already been accomplished for you. It's done. It's settled. Okay, you might still be jacked up. You might still have bad habits. You might still not think right. But your salvation has already been accomplished. Oh, I'm so glad that that's the truth. I could have a Pentecostal moment up in here. That's the way I grew up. All right, now, it is not a program that you join where it's act right to be right. You hear what I'm saying? Now, it's easy for anybody that's followed Jesus for a while to start to drift into what is actually in our heart is that if I act right, then I'm made right. No, 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 no. We got to dynamite that bad theology, that bad understanding of God up out of our minds and out of our spirits and out of our hearts. It's not act right to be right. Jesus is our substitute. He paid the price for our sins completely. When he was put to death on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. Aren't you glad? For us, it means that we receive grace. You don't do it, you receive it. Do you hear me? Right? That's why we don't believe that this Christianity thing is an escape from the world we live in. It's not an escape. It's not, I don't come to Jesus so I can hit the ejection seat on get out of the world that I live in. God puts you in the world and where you are on purpose. And it's not easy and it's, it's normal to not understand that for a while. That's normal. It's not an escape. And you know, it's not also it's also not a social club to join. It's between you and God. So these are some things that the good news is not, these are some things that they are. I want to zero in on oh, I really ran out of time. There are two ways that you can really miss your relationship with God. We'll use a couple big words here. Relativism and legalism. You can reject God by rejecting His Word, His law, and living any way that you want. 
You may come to church, you may start the path of Jesus, but at some point or before you came to Jesus, either through immaturity or before you came to Jesus, you can reject his word and just live however you want. That's relativism. Another way to reject God is to reject him by embracing and obeying his law so that you can earn your salvation. There's a subtle difference there. Did you hear what I'm saying? And we can be Jesus believers. We can, some people will not become Jesus believers through both of these by living however they want to live or just, hey, I'm a good person. Anyone ever heard that before? Yeah. I'm a good person. I'm not going to hell. God wouldn't punish me. I'm not Adolf Hitler. I haven't murdered anybody. But you're still going to hell. Right? Because God's saying, come back right now. Or we can receive Jesus and then through an immaturity, a lack of our own digging into our faith and understanding our faith, or just through lack of attention, we can start to drift to a place where we are seeking God for what we get out of Him, or we are doing good things to try to feel better about ourselves as a moralist, as a legalist, to earn our salvation. Well, that's not gospel. That's not living in... What, we, what did we just read, particularly in Romans 5, 1 through 2? He has made us right. Now, hopefully you have read Romans 1 through 8, so you get a little bit of that. Hey, when I, I, I can't do the things that I do want to do that are right. What, what a miserable state that I'm in. But thank God there's Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Because what does he say? Because of this grace and forgiveness, does that mean that we can go do however we want and we should just sin all the more? No. No. I want to briefly, very briefly, introduce you to this list. And I have today for you in the coffee shop this paper where you can read a full explanation of this comparison and also another post um, that Jesus is forgiveness that talks about why did Jesus need to die and explains a little bit better the basic salvation message. Both of those are printed and they're for you in the coffee shop. I can, uh, through a religious approach to Jesus, say, I obey, therefore God accepts me. That's not far from the truth, and it's really easy to kind of drift into that. So now my identity starts to become, when I'm doing really good, I'm ready to come to church. I feel good about myself. When I'm not doing very good, I don't want to come to church. I don't want to get close to God because I think that my righteousness depends on me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, you are not good enough. But because of Jesus covering you, you are good enough. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we can say, I obey to be accepted, or we can say, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Because my salvation is complete, because of Jesus I am good enough, because of Jesus I am perfect in Him, in my righteousness, in my salvation, and so out of a thank you to God, then I do good stuff. My motives are really different. If I'm following God through religion, my motive is based on fear, insecurity, or pride. 
And we might start this way, but it's not what growing into maturity in Jesus, what God wants for us. Instead, our motive in following Jesus should be grateful joy. Thank you. We can obey God in order to get things from Him. Oh, that's, this one's not up there. Or we can obey God to love Him, to say thank you, to learn more about Him, to resemble Him, and to delight Him. Our motives matter. What's my point? I need to wrap up, so I need to give you a to-do, and I want to pray, okay? i got a lot more scripture, a lot more to say about this that I think is really going to encourage you and help you feel stronger. What's at the heart of this? At the heart of this, what we find is that God has done a lot to relate to us through grace. You hear what I said? God created this world. God sent Jesus. God made a way for us to be forgiven of our sin so that he could relate to us through Jesus. Through grace. What a shame it is when we do not relate to him through grace. We should respond to God through grace. Be quick to receive His forgiveness and not become our own judge and jury and punish ourselves for our sins. No. Be quick to receive His forgiveness. Be quick to turn to Him and get to church first and early when we're feeling we're bad. We should relate to God through grace. Now, many times I've referred to the scriptures about how we should respond. So let me give those to you real quick. For what do we do about this? How do we respond? Jesus, Matthew 4, calls us to repent. So we confess our sin. We turn away from it. And turn quickly. Don't turn it into a big, long, crazy guilt trip. Turn quick. Repent quick. Confess our sins. Receive his forgiveness. Matthew 9, we follow him. Repent and follow Matthew 21, we love God with all that we've got and love our neighbor as ourselves. In Matthew 28 and Acts 1 and 2, then we devote ourselves to Him. See, here's what happens. When I devote myself to Jesus, I'm always learning and I'm always loving. It makes me quick to receive forgiveness and quick to forgive others. Does that sound good? Aren't you glad that God forgives us this way? Next Sunday, this is what I'm going to talk about a little bit deeper. Further action steps you can take to understand your salvation more deeply and to make sure that the way that you relate to God is pure and not falling into trying to get stuff from God or trying to prove something to God. These are action steps that we can take, stuff that we can do. But we always want to just simply pray and ask God for help. Studies like the Purple Book, studies like the ones that I've already printed for you and are out in the coffee shop as we enjoy lunch together today that you can get a hold of, will help me identify where in my heart and my mind am I missing this pure, simple, wonderful relationship with Jesus. And then from there, these are some questions that I should start to... These are some questions that I should start to ask as I start to learn more about my salvation to help me go deeper, to help me ever be simply relating to God through grace. 
Doesn't that sound good? Will you stand with me? We'll close in prayer. And I'm going to pray for our lunch as well as we get to enjoy a light lunch together uh, in each other's company and the food uh, that has been brought in. I'm so glad that I don't need to relate to God through my sins or a need to make up for my mistakes. Aren't you? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I can just receive His grace and respond to Him in love. Let's pray. God, I thank you for all that you did in sending Jesus to us to be our substitute, to pay the price for our sins. I thank you that we can quickly confess our mistakes and our need for you and our belief in you and turn to love you with all we've got and love others the way that you have already loved us. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength and grace that we could go into this holiday season with the joy that was met with the birth of Jesus and with an endurance, a strength that builds in our salvation, a confident hope in our salvation. Help us to ever be simply responding to you through grace. Help us grow our faith, increase our faith, and help us as we start to share you with others to be blessed and full of peace. 